Okay, are you ready for the word of God this morning? To change your life, to give you new energy, to give you new eyes, and to give you new ears and revelation in Jesus' name. Okay, akazrach. I hope you are ready. So if you were here last week, we took some time and we spent time focusing on the love of God. And we spoke about specifically the power of God's love. Because sometimes we think, you know, as Joyce Meyer once said, you know, she's a, who does not know who Joyce Meyer is? Okay, I'm working for Joycey. And so she said, you know, 30 years ago when she received the first opportunity that she had to bring the word of God to a crowd of people or to a gathering at a local church, um, she said to the Lord, Lord, what message must I bring? What must I preach on? And she was really excited, and I can so relate. She wanted a word of power. So I and she wanted to see the power of the Lord transform people's lives. And the Lord said to her, tell my people I love them. And she was like, okay, Lord, you know, everyone knows that you love them. Like, you know, I, I really am trusting you for a message of power. And the Lord said to her, if every one of my children knew that I love them, about the love act a whole lot different. Realized that God actually wanted to give her a revelation of the power of his love. And, you know, I've been studying this and I really felt like we've been talking about kingdom for the whole year since we started, you know, with the launch of our church. Because we really believe that Jesus wants us to understand kingdom living. Because we are not here on earth to live a natural life. Amen. Can we all agree that we are here to live a supernatural life? Okay. So in order for us to do that, we need to understand what the kingdom of God looks like. And the Lord started speaking to me as we were preparing for, you know, this outreach trip and, you know, all the things that God's put on our hearts that the love of God is one of the most important subjects that we need to study and that we need to get a heart revelation on if we want to understand his kingdom. Because we cannot go out and do all these things and, you know, reach out and pray for the sick and, you know, the blind and the deaf and, you know, build church and host children's church and do all these things for the Lord if we don't know that we are his children and that we are loved. It starts from that place of us understanding that we are so loved by God and that God himself is love. It starts for us in that place. When we get born again, we get born again because God's love pursued us. God's love pursued us from the foundations of, before the foundations of the earth. So we spoke about that last week. The podcast is online, but it's a little bit funny with the sound. <laughs> again, you miss. Basically, we spoke about make out between love number one. You can go and listen. Is love. It's very important that we understand the character of our father. Because if you were anything like me, I grew up in a very religious type of church where my perception of Father God was one that was very resembled to my relationship with my earthly father. My dad died when I was six years old, so I really felt abandoned as a little girl by my fatherly figure because suddenly he wasn't there anymore. And that's how I started to relate with the father. So if we had a really great relationship with our earthly father, maybe we have a good picture of the father. But if we had maybe an abusive or a strict dad, can you hear me? Okay. Um, so if I had an abusive dad or a very troublesome relationship with my earthly father, oftentimes that can be my perspective of who Father God is, that he's ready to punish me, that he's angry with me. And so we spoke a lot about that, that we need to understand that God is a God of love. It's not something that he does. It's who he is. Amen. 
And so number two, we spoke about how God's love pursued us since before the foundations of the world. And we spoke about what God's love is. The fact that God's love is called a love that is poor and we save our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In other words, you and I can't love with agape love if we first don't receive God's agape love for us. For me as a daughter, for him as a son, for you as a son and a daughter. We need to know that we are so loved by the Father. I'm doing a recap, if that's okay, just to get everyone on the same page. So we said agape love is a love that is a love that is supernatural. It's an undefeatable benevolence, unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. Who's already challenged by that? Praise the Lord. No matter what they do, it always seeks the highest good of the other person. It's a self-giving love. It gives freely without asking anything in return. Agape love is a choice demonstrated and proved by action. That's the love that God loves us with. And so we spoke about that and we said that we need to receive God's love for ourselves so we can be fully restored into a relationship with him. Amen. And that's when, when we get born again spiritually, we move into that relationship with the Lord and we start to discover who the Father really is. Amen. Have you experienced that? If you've been walking a road with the Lord, you begin to know the Father as you begin to study the Word, as you get planted in a local church. We are always going to talk about being planted in a local church. Why? Because that is when I grow. That is when my roots can grow down deep and I can get the water and the nutrients that I need where we can be taught the word of God and receive and grow. And we are going to speak about how else do we grow spiritually through serving in Jesus' name. That is how we grow spiritually. But if I don't know that I'm loved, if I walk around with a rejected and a wounded heart, I'm going to try and love someone out of that place of woundedness. And okay? that's how sometimes we hurt each other because we don't receive healing by God's love for ourselves, and then we end up hurting others. But God's heart is a heart of love, and He wants to love us into wholeness so we can be His hands and feet, like Johannes said. Amen? Amen. So this is a recap from last week. So this morning, we want to continue on God's love, the power of God's love, part two. But I want to speak about, again, three things. And the first one is this. God's love gives me purpose. Who here believes that they are born for a purpose? Okay. Every one of us has been born for a purpose. What is the purpose? Is it just to live a white picket fence life? To work until retirement? Get my golden watch? And then maybe I'll do a trip around the world and travel a little bit and then I'll die. Who I think like that? Okay. My biggest problem before I got to know the Lord was understanding why am I here? I think that. I remember even as a child, waking up thinking, why am I here? Why was I, have, did, did anyone else ever, that always suggest me, gift. Why am I here? What do I do with my life? Some people walk around their entire lives being completely unfulfilled with life. And I believe it's because we don't get to a place of understanding why we were created. In Afrikaans, Wim Neville um, speaks about skeppingsdoel. Ne? My creation purpose. Why was I created? Look at this scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know there's a lot of context around this, but I'm still going to say it because this scripture, when I first heard someone preach on this, 
I gave my heart to the Lord that day. Because suddenly, that big question in my heart, it was like a hole in my being, was answered. Something shifted when I heard this for the first time. And it says, for I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. And I've got another translation that says, plans for peace and well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. What is wrong in our society today? How many people are walking around without hope? Especially in this season right now. It's very easy to look around in the chaos that is going on in the world and think, oh my word, this is doomed. Many people walk around like seriously believers through understanding that there is a heavenly father that is still in control. God is still sovereign. But that God can use anything for the good of those who love him. And that this is a season where God is actually calling the church to arise into their purpose. He's calling the church to arise, to serve like never before, to love like never before, to come into a place of healing. In how open my heart to sit where ons betekker sit. Well unto me. Nia, God is saying, arise for your light has come. Amen. It is time for the church. This is our time. I love what it says in Esther. We were born for a time such as this. Do you believe it this morning? We were born for a time such as this. And I'm so excited. When these guys came back, I mean, we were... Uh, yeah. And I was like, okay, no a bit more detail. Johannes gives such cryptic notes. I'm like, and then he's like, okay, I'm just going to call you and give you like 10 minutes. And I was like, that's great. That's all I need. I just need to understand what is happening because my spirit man is excited. Okay. And so that's what I just really want to... I want to plant that seed of purpose in your heart this morning. Is that okay? I want to remind you that you are created for great things. Lig niet ons oor van ons omstandighede. Ek weet is moeilik. But I want to encourage you this morning. If it's just for this hour this morning. Just come up higher this morning. Amen? Net to bieke. Okay? So it says the following. Ephesians 2 verse 10. This is an awesome scripture. By the way. The notes are in U version. Does everyone know? Essie <laughs> now knows U version. Last week, someone asked me as well. It's a Bible app on your phone. It's called U version. So you go in there and you go into more and you search for events. I think so, And you search for Living Word Vintage. We will do a video uh, for those who don't know. We don't have it today, but the notes are on there. As you need Sam's up for your advice. Okay. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says the following. For we, who are we? The sons and daughters, all of us. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works. I must say good works. Good works which God predestined, planned beforehand. We should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Living the good life. This translation says the following. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork. Everyone say, I am a masterpiece. Created by the king. Okay, and I'm going to read further. Created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above. 
And this is where it's awesome. Spiritually transformed, renewed, and ready to be used for good works. Everyone say, God, use me. Ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand so that we might walk in them. Amen. We are created by God before the beginning of time for the good works. Now, let me first say this. Some of us maybe grow up in different kind of teachings where it says that I have to do good works to earn my salvation. Is that correct? That's right. We are saved by grace and by faith, the Bible says in Romans. So we accept the Lord because of His grace, His love for us. But when we are filled with that love and we are restored, the Bible says spiritually renewed, then God uses us to go and to show that love to all the world outside. The broken, the hurt, the needy, the lost. I earn brothers and sisters. Amen. So the good works that is not what we need to do, but in God's favor or to earn our salvation. That is received by grace. It's our response to live a life of faith, to live a life of service in response to the king. Amen. In response to the mandate and the commission that Jesus left us. And we're going to get to that. But I just wanted to make that distinction because I think sometimes... Some of us have been, and I used to be in a, in a traditional type of church where it was taught or implied that I have to work to earn my salvation. That's what a lot of other religions teach, and that's not what Jesus Christ came to teach us. Amen? Does that make sense? That's an important foundation. Okay, so God created us before the foundation of time for good works, okay, for service. There's a reason you have a gift. There's a reason you have a talent. It's not just for a gold watch at the end of the retirement. It is to bring forth the kingdom of God on earth. And I think it was two or three years ago that God really stirred my heart about the topic of eternity. And God journeyed with me and I was like, this is really hectic. We need to be preaching on eternity every single week. Because nothing will give us perspective on this life like understanding what the next life will look like. And there's a scripture in James 4.14. It's also in the notes. It says, your life is like the morning fog. F-O-G. It's a here a little while, and then it's gone. This life is very short, and eternity is very long. So what we do on this life really matters. How we live our life in this season, and here tight now, is very, very important to the Lord. Because the Bible also says in 2 Corinthians that we will all, as believers, stand in front of Jesus one day. Not to be judged for heaven or hell. We are already saved, so we are already in eternity with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and with Jesus Christ. But all believers, you and I, sons and daughters, will stand before the judgment seat for Christ, and there will be like an eternal reward ceremony. Okay? We will be rewarded. You know... Look at, at the Gospels where Jesus taught about the kingdom and when Jesus spoke about eternal rewards. There's many, 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 many places where he talks about that. Now, getting a reward in heaven is not the motivation for us. Our motivation is just obedience and responding to the love of Christ. That's why we love our neighbor is in response to God loving us. But there is a reality and 
you know, Paul spoke about it. Let me just give you scripture so you don't think I'm making this up. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And I love, last week we shared, you know, a story of the, a well-known prophet called Bob Jones. He was an American prophet and an amazing man of God. And um, he's well-known in a lot of circles around the world in the body of Christ. And he had an experience, I think it was in the 1970s, where he died prematurely. He went to heaven and he came back. Jesus sent him back and he recorded the story and he said he, he stood in front of Jesus. And the only question Jesus asked him was, did you learn how to love? Did you learn how to love? And that really wrecked me when I heard that. I was like, Jesus, we can be in ministry and not love. We can look like we are pastors and not love people. And the Lord will not be impressed by our titles. The Lord will not be impressed by our Facebook pages. In my Instagram look, in filter. Or by what we have achieved in worldly wealth. Or what we have accomplished. Did we respond to the call that he has given to us? And you know, my call will look different than Johannes' call. Although our call is tied together. But my call might be different than Sam or than Imke's call. Your call is different. The, the key is to understand what has God purposed you for? Why, why has God created you? What is your skipping's doel? Why are you here? And when we started first joining Living Word, I remember our pastor, J.C., said to us, what is the word of God over your life? And you know, I really, I went in my journals because I've always been journaling. Now, I know not everyone is a, a journaler. That's okay. But whatever works for you, it really helps that when you spend time in the Word or when someone prophesies a word over you or if you have a dream from the Lord or any type of encounter, write down what the Lord says. And I went back into my journals and I actually... I wrote down again everything that I heard from the Lord since I gave my heart to Him. And now I'm not one of those people. We all hear different. I'm one of those people that I hear mostly through the Word. What do I mean by that? Sometimes when I read, certain scriptures will be illuminated. Does that make sense? So it's like today something will stand out and I've read it a thousand times, but today it speaks into my situation, literally. And so some people are more prophetic and you have more dreams and visions. Um, some people have had the audible, heard the audible voice of God. I haven't been that person. I think it will be very scary, although very soothing and comfortable to hear your father speak to you like that. But the thing is, I remember writing down, and there was a specific scripture that's in a church set up like this. And I've always known that God has called me to preach the word, to teach the word, and to help people, you know, bring people into the kingdom. But the way that that is accomplished is throughout the years, it's been different things. But we'll get to that. But it's important that you ask the Lord, Lord, why did you create me? Why am I here? And the Bible also says, you spoke about this, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. Have I got that? 2 Corinthians 5 18. But you can write that down and it says, but all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to Him. And He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
so that by our example, we might bring others to him. Are we all called for full-time ministry in the church? No. Are we all called to the marketplace to go and be, be corporates? Are we all called to the mission field to be an evangelist and to go with Johannes and Pastor Romanus and go and have crusades every night and, you know, lead 5,000 people to the Lord in one evening? No, but we have all got the ministry of reconciliation. So what that means is that God might call you into the field of politics to make a difference and to bring the kingdom. Who knows we need it? We need the kingdom of God in government. Okay, we need the kingdom of God in the media and entertainment industry. We need the kingdom of God in our education systems, church, schools. Okay, we need the children in universities. We need the kingdom of God in the whole church. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God everywhere. The Bible says there that so by our example, we might bring others to him. So I want to remind us this morning, it's not just the pastor's job to evangelize the people and maybe we also accede towards it. No, some people are actually called to resource the kingdom of God. You've got a gift and an anointing for finance. Why? Not so you can, you know, buy Dubai. <laughs> well, if God tells you, then, you know, awesome. But it is to finance and resource the kingdom. As Jock said last week, it all costs money. <laughs> The Bible is not free. The coffee is not free. The building is not free. Some people are really anointed by God to bring in finance and resource into the kingdom. You know? And I want to encourage us this morning. Your gift matters. What you bring, your anointing that is on your life matters for the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But Johannes and I have really got a heart. And we'll speak about that but God has called us to raise up an army to go out and be the Lord's hands and feet. That's why you'll see sometimes people bring a message. Sometimes people, someone else does the offering. It's not always just going to be us. Everyone in this room has something to contribute to the kingdom. Some of us just needs to find out what that is. That was point number one. God's love gives us purpose. Everyone thought I was done. Number two, God's love compels us to serve. God's love will compel us to serve. And honestly, I can tell you that's been the story for me. I think it's 34, yeah. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And if you want to go and read a book of the Bible this week on love, I want to encourage you go and go through the book of John. The Gospel of John is honestly the Evangelium of Johannes is an amazing book. It says, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you too should love one another. Verse 35, by this, by what? By our love for one another, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another and if you keep on showing love among yourselves. I love that Jesus came and he says, um, this translation also said, by this, your love for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love, ooh, an easy kicker, an unselfish concern for one another. I was challenged by that. This ouch. Unselfish concern. 
That's the love that Jesus is talking about. He's not saying if we just greet each other, high five, hallelujah, on Sunday. That's awesome, but that's not the love that he's talking about. He's talking about, are we loving one another on Monday? Are we loving one another on Wednesday? When one part of the body is hurting, all parts of the body are hurting. When one of us goes through something, are we there to help one another? And I think the sad reality sometimes is, I'm so preaching this to myself this morning, I need to hear this message. Sometimes I feel like Christians can be so much more known for our judgment rather than our love. Just shocks me more than unbelievers. Don't spend time on Facebook. (laughs) We're also on Facebook, praise the Lord. But I'm just saying, you know, sometimes we can be known for our judgment. And sometimes the world looks at us and think, well, you're kind of judgmental. I don't don't think I want to serve that God of yours. Because we are his representatives. And when we have been forgiven much and we've received his grace and his love, he wants to get us to a place where we are healed and whole that we can give that to others. And that process, thank the Lord, we have the Holy Spirit for. Because it's a journey. And trust me, Johannes and I are very much on the same journey. We are all growing to become more and more like Christ. And we are learning how to love. And some days we are going to miss it. I know I miss it many days. help Okay, that's why we have Holy Spirit. Because this is a supernatural type of love. And we need His supernatural ability and power to be able to love one another like that. But that is, what, that is what we are called to do. Okay? Love is the most powerful weapon we have for spiritual warfare. I think sometimes, and I know I'm very much speaking about myself. Like when I first got saved and I first understood the kingdom of God and I first experienced God's love for me, like physically. Like I was healed of anxiety. I was healed of fear. I was healed of rejection of abandonment, the spirit of abandonment, and all those different things. And I was so excited that I felt like I had hope again. I have purpose. When I found out Jeremiah 29, 11, I went out to every single person I knew. I was, Hallelujah, it's a rough place, advertising in the corporate world. And I remember telling everyone, did you know that you have a purpose? Jesus Christ has a purpose for your life. I mean, people labeled me lunatic, crazy, I mean, even in my own family, I went to my stepdad, I went to my brother, and I hammered into them. I was like, Susa Energizer Bunny, Susa Kandanka was so irritant. But I was like, Can I not have you really? Like, did you know that? And I think, <laughs> I think I may have done some damage because in our excitement and in our passion, you know, when you've just received a new gift, you are so excited, you want to show everyone this gift. I kind of maybe didn't love them. <laughs> But maybe I wanted to show them what needed to be corrected. And I think sometimes we are like that with people that we, we, it comes from a passionate heart. I just want to show you what is available. Leave that, leave that, and leave that. But you know what? Jesus constantly speaks to my heart. The Holy Spirit constantly reminds me that it is our job to love. And it is His job to heal and correct and convict and fix. We cannot fix people. I'm sure all of us have tried. If you're in a marriage, you cannot fix your spouse. (laughs) He's got a mask on, so. Um, But so God calls us to love people. 
And it is the hardest among your own family sometimes. Even it's easy to love a stranger. Ooh, puppy. But to say, yeah, let me just say this. Let's go to John 13. This, verse 12 of the theme 17. Favorite scenes of the Lord. And something that I think, again, challenged me to a whole nother level in my walk with the Lord. Jesus sat his disciples down and he said, let me wash your feet. Okay, so it reads in verse 12, in verse 12, when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. And if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Our mission at Living Word, our vision is this, to establish a loving Bible-based kingdom community. Our mission from Wim Neville, we call him Wim Neville, he's our senior pastor, the founder of Living Word over 34 years ago, is to become doers of the Word of God. Who knows that we can read the Word, but when does it become alive in our lives? When we do what it says. That's when we begin to see power. We had a conversation with, with someone this week that said, finally I'm seeing change in my life. And when we asked them why, they started to implement the Word of God. That's where the power lies. And Jesus said, there's another translation that says, Blessed are you if you do them. And if you do them, fail out of season. And so Jesus says, I have given you an example. Now, I think most people know the background, but why did Jesus wash their feet? Because in those days, they wore sandals, right? They walked in dusty, sandy roads. And so when you would come for dinner, they would have dinner on the floor often. And so, can you now imagine? <laughs> Praise the Lord, we have tables today. But everyone is sitting there with their dusty feet, okay? And usually it was the job of the lowliest servant working for the household, the slave. Everyone had a slave in those days. It was his job to wash the feet of the guests who would come. And Jesus says, I'm going to take you into a position that I'm going to show you what humbleness looks like. I'm going to show you what true leadership looks like. What true humility looks like. Niederigheit, ne? Meekness. That's the type of leader Jesus is. That's how he calls us to lead. That's how he calls us to serve one another. Okay? And so God really calls us to serve one another. Jesus said in Matthew 20 verse 28, I came not to be served, but to serve. I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I read the scripture this morning to our team, Galatians 5.13. It says, for you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. But through love, you should serve one another. Look, okay, so Jesus, 
I believe there's three main areas that Jesus calls us to serve that kind of encompasses. Verloor ek na my Engels. Yay. Okay. But basically that covers all. <laughs> Let's go with that. Hallelujah. Number one, I believe servanthood and serving and loving the way Jesus calls us to love starts in our own homes. It starts in our marriages. How, wives, how are we serving our husbands? I'm not saying be a floor mat. I'm talking about how am I serving my husband? The Bible says that we need to respect and honor. And what God really showed me when we got married over three years ago is that I am Johannes' biggest intercessor. My biggest role for my husband is to pray. And husbands, how are we serving our wives? If you can see that your wife has had a hectic week, the children have been all over, it's homeschooling, it's work, it's this, it's that. Boki, can I give you a tear mark? Sometimes for us women, it's the smallest thing. We're not asking for a lot. We're just asking sometimes for acknowledgement. Just see me. Just acknowledge what I'm doing. Okay, how are we serving our spouses? How are we serving our children? All the homeschool moms are like, yolda, yolda. How are we serving our parents? Mama, can I for mama a copy coffee mug? Can I wash the dishes for you? Hey, you can thank me later. I'm really looking forward to having children so they can wash dishes. We had a lot of chores growing up. And um, yeah, I did washing, I did skorrelgoed, you name it. It's such a good learning school. You know, how are we serving each other in our homes? It's very important to the Lord. That's where it starts. It, it can't be that we are just so focused on the loss and the people out there, but the people inside of our church are suffering. Our brothers and sisters are going through tough times and none of us are there to encourage and to uplift and to speak life. God calls us to serve one another. And I really love that, you know, God spoke to us when we first, you know, when COVID first started, we were just kind of overwhelmed with the need and so many people needed food and so many people needed practical you know, support, and, and we felt the Lord say, okay, go and work with Vintage Life Change Center, and, you know, and everyone supported, and thank you for everyone who contributed to that, and we did food parcels, and, you know, God really blessed that initiative, and then when we got to June, because a lot of corporates started to, to fund as well, and so we thought, okay, the need has shifted a little bit, they still need, but God really spoke to us about how are the people in our own small church community doing, there are people who have lost jobs. There are people who have had big salary cuts, people really struggling financially. And the Lord said to us, focus on your church family first. And so we were able to bless some people with food vouchers, bless them with petrol vouchers, but we still believe, and if you want to talk to us about that, we still want to continue to serve people in that way with practical needs wherever you know, God enables us or shows us there's a need. But I want to encourage you this morning. You know, this, this church, the speakers, the music, the sound, the kids' church downstairs, the coffee, the banners, everything that's happening here has been done by people wanting to serve you this morning. It was done by people who are also working, they also have families, they also have young children, but they believe in the vision and they believe in the kingdom and they were like, Lord, use us to serve your people this morning. And so I'm not going to, if you are in a season where God is stirring your heart to become involved, then come and chat to us. We've left a little form on every second seat that if you want to know, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I encourage some of the children in our community? Maybe you can join Kids Church. 
we serve children so that we can raise up a next generation in the power of the Holy Spirit because they are our next leaders. They are our next governmental leaders. They are the next leaders in every sphere of society. It starts there. We can't wait until people are 60, okay? Although it's awesome, you know, you can come into God and into your purpose at any age. It's never, ever, ever too late. But we have an opportunity to raise up a next generation. And how are you also serving? You are also serving the parents who've had a tough week. Maybe they need to be upstairs and they need to be able to focus to hear an encouraging word, to lift up their spirit, to build them up again. And while we are serving the parents, the children are also being raised up. And so we've got moms downstairs who are investing into your children this morning because they believe in the love of God. And I want to encourage you, like if you feel there are people here serving coffee, we are making coffee. If you love media and technology, we've got an entire sound desk media team at the back. You know, sometimes just even greeting someone at the front door can change someone's life. We've had people in Cape Town, I remember walking into church and they've been judged They've been ostracized. They've been outcasted by Christians their entire life. And then sometimes they show up to church and one person just smiles and greets and hugs them and reminds them that Jesus loves you. And it will break people. It will break off walls of shame. Uh, walls. I really want to encourage you. That's for me. I, through serving in my local church, I really got to a place where I understand what God called me to do. You know, you don't always have to know what the next 30 years will hold. This, has God called me as a prophet or an evangelist? It doesn't really matter. Just serve the person in front of you right now, and God will lead you in the path where we need to go. I used to serve, I mean, in our church, we had, I was there five services on a Sunday. I'm not recommending that for you, but I was single, and I had the time. And I remember cleaning toilets for a full year because people want to come to a clean bathroom on a Sunday. And that is part of serving the kingdom. That is part of serving each other. Amen? Showing love for our church family. And thirdly, I believe that God is calling us to serve those outside of our kingdom family. The lost, the poor, the needy, the widow, the orphan, the hurting, the broken. And we're going to share a lot more going forward about missions. And as, you know, this whole corona situation enables us to go into hospitals, enables us to go into shelters and in different places. Amen. But the reality is serving will cost us. That's the reality check. And sometimes Jesus will ask us to count the cost. There will be sacrifice. There will be effort. Our flesh will die. <laughs> but is it worth it? A million times yes. Amen. Thirdly, I believe this, that God's love will empower us. Scripture gave us the great commission, and he said the following in Matthew 28, sorry, 18 to 20, and this is my last given to me this morning. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so I believe God's love will empower us. He gave us a mandate, but he didn't leave us in our own strength and power. In John 16, Jesus said, I have given you the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. He is the one that will enable us, that will empower us. Amen. And so why don't you just close your eyes this morning?
And um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to end off with communion today. And so I want to ask in this atmosphere this morning, is there anyone here in this room that you've heard this message, you heard the recap of God's love, but maybe you've never actually experienced the love of God for yourself? Maybe you've never ever actually given your life to the Lord Jesus. That is where it starts. The Bible says that we need to be born again. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die for us on a cross. To give us that love. To give us the reconciliation with the Father. To restore us into our creation purpose for what we were called to be. And if you are sitting here this morning and you have never given your life to the Lord or you have walked away from the Lord, then I want to give you an opportunity and we just want to pray for you. Just with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. If you are here this morning and you want us to pray for you because you've walked away from the Lord, just raise your hand slowly so I can see it. And we Thank you, Lord. Awesome. I'm going to ask... I'm going to ask our team to hand out the communion this morning. And so as they serve you with communion, I want you to just hold on to your your bread and your juice. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer as we bring the service to a close.